one of the things I always say as a founder is that I'm clear in my vision, but flexible in how we get there. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor, Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. My next guest created a company called Alchemy 43. It's an aesthetics brand. Her name is Nikki Levy. And when you have a chance, go ahead and look it up. But you're going to love the story that she tells us because it's inspirational from the point that she walks into a room to listen to this famous business speaker and her life then changes because she applies what she learns. She asks the business person that she was listening to to invest in her business. And the rest is history, of course, not without big ups and downs. But the knowledge that she has, the journey that she's going to take us through will create clarity for you to build a business that's built on trust at every stage from the beginning to the middle to later. Listen in. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, the Success Magazine podcast. And today I've got Nikki Lee V, right? I love the name, by the way. So, so different. Thank you. Uh, I was, I, I've never seen Nikki spelled like that, and I love it. So, Thank welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. And I did some research on you, Alchemy 43. The first thing I thought of, here, here's what I was thinking, okay? Uh-huh. Alchemy, I already love it. 43. So, science. I go, what the, what the hell is 43? Like, was it? Somebody was age 43. So tell me the name. So really, I mean, I was, I was supposed to call it a different name. I was supposed to have a different name and I didn't get the trademark approved and I was under the gun to think of a new name. And we were already had signed our first lease. We were like, you know, building our website, all that stuff. And we had to think of something else. And so um, I was kind of working with a bunch of people to get a name and I, there was just nothing that sounded right. And then I came home from dinner one night with friends and I saw someone had quoted the alchemist and I was like, alchemy, alchemy, what does that mean? And I typed it into my Google browser. What is the definition of alchemy? And it was a seemingly magical process of combination, creation, and transformation. And, uh, the study of chemistry that predated the periodic table that changed, that was concerned with changing base metals into gold. So immediately I got goosebumps all over. I was like, that's, that's it. That's our name. Alchemy, alchemy. That's our name. And then one of my investors said, Hey, you know, I know Botox deals with the muscles of the face. How many muscles are in the face? And I was like, I don't know. Great question. And she typed it into her Google browser and it was 43. So we said it's alchemy 43. That's the name. What a great combo. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I feel like it would just, you know, when it finally came together, it felt really right. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun name. And I think it, people are always wondering about that 43. So it's a fun story to tell. I like that. All right. So you have this idea and how it's, I know it's the long, deep, awesome story. So take me through it because the challenge for most of entrepreneurs, business owners is taking the idea and then actually creating something out of it. Yeah. So where, where did the idea stem from and how did you start growing it? Yeah. So for me, it was, it was kind of, you know, a very, just a, sort of an interesting experience that led up to it. But basically I spent my early career days, like during and after college working in cosmetics and skincare. So I really, I grew up in the beauty industry and 
Um, in 2009, I made the jump into medical aesthetics and started working for Allergan, the maker of Botox. And that yeah. was a very unique, right? That that in and of itself, that combination of having sort of a beauty industry background and going into medical aesthetics was pretty unusual at the time. Most people that worked in medical aesthetics came from sort of big pharma and, phar- and pharmace- pharmaceutical companies. So um, Allergan was doing something really unique at the time. They were launching a product called Latisse. And so they felt like there was a merchandising component. So they were specifically seeking out beauty industry folks. So it, I think that that really that hybrid of experience is really what got us to, to you know here in terms of me and my company and I think ultimately it was like I went into this medical aesthetics industry with a, a different lens. My lens was I come from the beauty industry. It's all about connecting with people. It's about storytelling. It's about, you know, there's a vulnerability to changing how you look, whether it's wearing a red lipstick for the first time or getting botox for the first time or anything in between and really you're, you, you won't be successful unless you truly understand that that's a vulnerability, a vulnerable space for people. And so mm-hmm. that was really the lens I came into it with. And what I discovered when I started doing the job was that really it was framed in the industry as being much more clinical. It was more, you know, it was more aligned with going to the dentist and getting your teeth cleaned than it was with, you know, getting a facial or, or getting, you know, getting something done that would make you look and feel better. So, um, so I think, um, that was really for me, the opportunity that I saw, I thought to myself, wow, a couple things, there's really an artistry to doing these treatments well and to getting good results. And it did. And I noticed quickly, it didn't have to do with your level of licensure. So, you know, obviously licensed medical providers are the ones that perform these services and you could be a double board certified plastic surgeon. You could be an RN, you could be a PA, you could be a, you know, cosmetic dentist. I mean, any number of licensure. And I, and I found that the best injectors and the people that got the best outcomes were people who just love doing this and really had a passion for it. Right. Like anything else. Right. It's like, if, if it's, if it's the last thing you want to do in your day, you're, you're not probably not going to be the best in it. Right. But if you're, you know, if it's something you love and you're naturally grown, so, so that was something I noticed early on. And it was very, for me, very similar to like makeup artists and skincare experts, you know, people that truly love what they do and, and, and sort of tapping into that. So that was number one. Number two, I felt like even despite the fact that the experience of getting these treatments done was, you know, not such an exciting experience, uh, people love the results. And there was, I mean, Botox had a 98% patient satisfaction rate. Like people love the results of Botox. So they were willing to go and sit in a medical office and wait for half a day to get their appointment, or they were willing to, you know, pay, you know, an exorbitant amount to get it. And so I thought to myself, well, what if we, we, we packaged it in a totally different way. What if we made it a fun and a happy experience? What if we, you know, talked about confidence? What if we talked about self-care? Um, you know, what if we made it really easy for people to just walk in or make a same day appointment or book on an app, right? And so that was kind of how, you know, it was really for me, a, you know, a very clear, like, beauty industry best practices. What if we applied those same practices to medical aesthetics? And so that was kind of how the idea was born. Um, I will tell you, like many entrepreneurs, I had no idea what to do next. I had my idea, but after that, I was like, okay, well, I have this idea. What do I do now? Right. Someone I was dating at the time told me to go on mybusinessplanbuilder.com to write a business plan. I had no idea where to start there. So I, I did that. I don't even know if that website's still around. Uh, that's how I wrote a business plan. It was probably pretty mortifying. I, I haven't seen it in a while, but I'm sure it was not, not something I'd be super excited to see. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, it got the job done. Right. And, um, I had no idea how to raise money. I, you know, didn't know where to start, no experience or background with that, but I, uh, went to a woman's entrepreneur event in Santa Monica and Tony Coe, uh, the founder of Nick's cosmetics was the, was the speaker that night. 
And I was really inspired by her story. She talked about, you know, building her company from scratch, you know, being an immigrant to this country from Korea um, and, you know, and really just building it up from nothing and selling it to L'Oreal for $500 million. And I was, you know, I just loved her story of grit. And I, I felt like I could relate to a lot of what she was saying. And she mentioned during her talk that she was doing some investing. And so I reached out to her the next day. I didn't know her. I just found her, you know, contact info on LinkedIn. And I said, you know, would you be willing to talk to me? I have this business idea. You know, it was a total shot in the dark. And for some reason, she agreed to meet with me. And we met a week later for breakfast. And by the end of breakfast, she's like, I'm in. How much money do we need to get this thing started? And so really, I mean, she gave me my start. And so that was how I was able to raise capital, you know, at the very beginning, um, you know, it was just enough to get things kind of moving. And then, you know, then, then it was kind of game on the, the, the clock started ticking. Um, I needed to prove out what I thought would be true about this business and how it would perform. It was a tough year. I mean, the first year I would say is always the toughest and people ask me like why that is. And I think it has a little bit to do with like in the first year, something, one thing could go wrong and you're done. Like after you make it through the first year of business. And I think this is true for a lot of businesses. It's like, then it's probably not going to be just one thing that takes you out. There's probably a series of things that kind of get you, but in the early stages, it's very unstable. I mean, it's like one, one bad thing, right. Could, could literally just now you don't exist anymore. Right. And so, um, so everything felt like a monumental decision and everything felt like make or break. And it probably was right. So yeah, we were able to kind of navigate through the first year. Uh, it was messy at times, but we did it. And uh, and then we had, you know, we attracted the interest of Forerunner Ventures, which is a big um, consumer seed stage VC out of San Francisco. Um, Kirsten Green and Yuri Kim, I mean, notorious for brands like Away, uh, Glossier, Bonobos, Warby Parker. Um, so really, you know, big, huge consumer brands. They had just um, exited Dollar Shave, um, Dollar Shave Club when, when I met them. And so, you know, for them to kind of see what I was building and say, hey, there's something here was very validating. Like, I feel like that was kind of a turning point for me because it was like, I knew I had something and I was seeing the reaction of people in my look, you know, in my clinic every day. But for Forerunner to go, okay, this is like the next big thing in consumer retail was like a a moment. So that was kind of, I think, where the larger brand was born. I love that. All right. So now where, where are you currently? How many stores? Yeah. Fast forward to today. So that was back in 2016. Fast forward to today. We are nine stores strong. Um, we have uh, nine locations between California, Texas, and New York city. Um, we've got two in New York. We've got two in Dallas. We've got one in Houston, three in LA and one in Newport beach. And we have have a 10th coming soon under construction now in a suburb of Houston. So almost 10 now which is crazy. So then take me back now to you trying to figure this out. Yep. And you're in the process of, of getting your, your business plan done. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, maybe I should go to an event. Where did, where did that idea come from? Yeah. You know, it was actually something like a friend was like, Hey, you're, you know, you're, you're starting a business. I was invited to this event why don't you come with me? It was a very kind of just like, not, not a strategic decision. Like we were, I think we were had dinner plans and she was like, why don't we go to this event first? It's right next door. So really that was kind of how it happened. I didn't, I don't think that I intentionally was like, oh, let me go and network. I mean, I probably realized on some level that that is, that would be a good thing to do. But um, yeah, I went to this event kind of without intent, if that makes sense. Just, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of went, it's also cool to see that your friend 
yeah was was the one that was initiator right so yeah Yeah. we hang i always like to know like who you hang out with like actually matters it's like yeah so how has that evolved over the last few years which is like do you seek out to go to events do you do you seek out to connect with people at a deeper level that are doing things differently than you are what does that look like yeah, I I, I, lo- I love that question. That's uh, something I don't get asked too often. I feel like um so so number one, I would say if you have an idea, and and I think this comes up a lot for entrepreneurs, um, especially when you're building something you feel like is maybe you know something different or something that's easily kind of um, knocked off, if you will. It, you know, people tend to be very protective with their ideas, and so they you know you you resist sort of telling people about what you're doing, what you're working on, because you think, well, I don't want to you know, I don't want to share too much, right? I don't want to get, get this idea copied, but there has to come a point where you, you have to let go of that a little bit, right? Because in order to get support for your business, in order to get, whether it's money, whether it's, you know, help in different areas, um, support or customers even, right? You have to kind of say what you're going to do. And so mm-hmm. I think, um, I think that that's something I would encourage people to do. And I think saying yes to events and going to things, it, 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 it almost never is a bad idea. Like it, it almost never hurts you. And, and there's way more upside than staying home and working on your computer on your business plan. Like I would, I would say to people to seek that out. And so I think that is something to your point, Tristan, that's like stayed with me through the years, you know, whether I've been asked, you know, now I'm, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I sometimes get asked to speak at these events and tell, tell my story or sit on a panel and tell my story of what happened, which, you know, is really awesome. Uh, but whether or not I'm, I'm speaking or not, like I like to, I love to attend events. I think there's always, um, great connections to be made, whether it's, you know, a graphic designer that you meet or a creative person or, a you know, or, or someone who's a potential customer of yours. I mean, I think there's so many reasons to engage with people. And in fact, we just opened Houston and, T- and Dallas, Texas was a brand new market for us. And I don't have any roots there. I don't know people there. Like I don't, I don't you know, it was, it was very new for us as a market. And so of course we did all the usual things prior to opening those stores. We did um, a bunch of marketing and, you know, partnered with local brands and stuff like that. And what we found is that what was actually much more effective was me getting on a plane and going there and talking to women and men that live there, going and sitting at, you know, sitting at a bar and having dinner and chatting with the people next to me about what we're doing. And I, I mean, I can't even tell you, it's, it's almost like net networking and business development because when people meet you and they hear your story, it's just so much more powerful than any ad you would ever see, right? It's like, you could have the best creative work ever in the world and nothing is going to trump you sitting in front of people and going, this is why I'm here. This is why I started this brand. Like, this is what we're about. Right. And, and I have found that to be so much more effective that we've almost, we've adjusted our strategy when we go into new markets now to like spending time in the market, going to, you know, participating in, in private school fundraisers, like, you know, doing auctions, like, like anything we can be a part of locally, it ends up really raising kind of the connection with the local customers. It's like, it's not just about awareness. It's about why? Like I, there's a million places I could go to the, go to for this. Why would I come to you? And you have to give them a why, you know? That's crazy. I, I didn't even think to to put that together and say, hey, why? Yeah, it was a learn, it was definitely a learning. Like that's so yeah. good. That makes yeah. a lot of sense, actually. Now that you went through it, I'm like, yeah, that that actually makes sense. Well, and I've heard from other people, it's funny because it's like it took me a minute to realize that too. And then I realized a lot of other brands do it, like Sweet Green. Apparently, what they do is they go they go into markets before they open and they, they meet with all the local fitness instructors and like, in, and give them gift cards to come in and have salads with them. And so they really, they, but they do the same thing where it's not just marketing. It's like, they're going out and meeting with 
the local tastemakers in the area. And they're saying, hey, come in and have a salad. Like, here's a gift card. Like, we want to connect with you. And so, so I think this happens more regularly than people talk about. But I do think when you're trying to build trust, which is a key thing for us is trust, right? You've got to put your face there. You can't just, you know, you can't just put out an ad. You have to, you have to physically show people who you are. It's true. And look, you, you mentioned at the beginning when you were thinking, Hey, this is where my idea came from. Right. And you're telling me Yep. also mentioned that there was an opportunity here because you saw that it was almost like an art and you needed to enjoy Mm -hmm. the Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's a lot to that because as I was reading a lot of, uh, a lot of the different things that are out there about you and your company, I was like, damn, this feels more like it's cool that you guys are doing what you're doing with an actual product. Yep. But I feel like it. this is all about customer service and the way yep. you take care of people. 100% about that. Yep. And I love that because that just, it, it gives us as the listeners and, and people that are following you, yeah. the, the thoughts like, wait a second, I can kind of do this with everything. I just have to make sure that I do a really great job and have yep. a nice process That's and right. make the consumer like feel super special. So take yeah. me through that customer service process. Yeah. Where did that idea come from and what sets you apart when it comes to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I've always had a, a super high level of awareness, both as a consumer myself, right. And as a, and as an entrepreneur and a, a creator of experiences, but I think ultimately I, I, I honestly, and I tell this to people all the time, Nordstrom, like I, I worked at Nordstrom when I was a kid and I got to tell you, it was the training ground for me for customer service. And I, I hope and think it still is. But I remember my first day on the job there, I was, you know, probably 20 years old and uh, I was, uh, you know, we were having like new hire training and the the manager, store manager came in to talk to us. And she said, you know, you might've noticed that you didn't get a, an employee manual or something like something like a list of how to, you know, of how to behave at work or whatever. And she said, because there is none here, you know, here you do the right thing for the customer. That is the, the bottom line. And I remember her giving examples like, Hey, if you want to take somebody's bags out to their car for them because they're heavy, or if you want to, you know, escort them to, you know, to, to meet their friend on the second level in lingerie, you can walk them. Like, it was kind of like, you will, you'll never get in trouble for doing the right thing by the customer was kind of the, t- the takeaway. And I feel like that really did manif- manifest in that company's culture and, and clients still recognize it to be the, the, the leader in customer service. So I really have, have brought that with me throughout my career. And when I launched, you know, this company, the, the experience for me was so mission critical because to your point, like there's nothing inherently unique about injecting, but like you could go to any place to get Botox. There's any number of places. So, so the product itself or the, you know, the actual service itself isn't that unique, right? You can, there's lots of places you can go and get Botox. We want to be the place to go and get Botox. And so how do we do that? We do that by delivering not only consistent and great outcomes, but like a consistently awesome experience from soup to nuts. So what does that look like? It's easy to book an appointment. It's not a hassle. You can you can say, hey, it's Monday. Can I come in on Tuesday? And guess what? You can because of the way we do our scheduling. Like, so you can get in very easily and quickly. We recognize that you're busy and we don't want to, you know, you're not gonna, you don't want to spend your whole day doing this. So we make it very kind of like, you know, efficient and and productive use of your time. We're very mindful of that. Um, we, you know, we try to basically make it a, a you know, a sort of a seamless and thoughtless experience, meaning you don't have to even, once you come in, like we've got you covered, like you don't have to worry about 
you know, any, you don't have to worry about when to book your next appointment because we're going to help you with that. You don't have to worry about, you know, everything is sort of, um, all of your needs are anticipated. And so we, we try to make it very seamless and frictionless in that way. And then the interaction itself, which I think is a really critical part is when we're discussing, when we're doing your consultation and we're talking to you about why you're here today, what brings you in, what you're interested in, you know, doing today. Um, I think what I saw too often in practices when I was a Botox rep is the client saying, or the patient saying, Hey, what's wrong with me? Tell me all the things that need to be fixed on my face. And, you know, then the provider would go through a list of, well, you're saggy here. Or this is lumpy. This is bumpy. This is not right. You know, this is uneven. And it's like, you end up feeling like crap. Like you're like, okay, so I need all this work. Like, wow, I didn't know I was so in such bad shape. Right. And so I just felt like, why do we need to you know, sort of drag people down to build them back up. The other thing I always think is hilarious, and this happens more than you'd imagine, is somebody, for example, will come in with like a huge line down the middle of their forehead. And you'll say, what brings you in today? And you're you're 100% thinking they're going to say, oh, it's this line. And they go, oh, my lips. And you're like, oh, you don't, okay. I'm not going to bring it up. If if it doesn't bother you, like, I'm, you know what I mean? But so the point is you've got to let people tell you what they, what brings them in, right? You don't want to sit and tell, hey, if they weren't self-conscious about that line, I, it's not my job to make them self-conscious about it. Great. Good for you. You know? So I think, um, you know, that that's a big part of it is like ha- having the consultation be sort of confident building confidence building, as opposed to like t- taking you down. Right. So, so what I always say to people, and you know, this may sound funny coming from a business owner, nobody needs these treatments. This is not, this is not like life-saving stuff that we're doing here. This is purely elective cosmetic self-care and this is a way that you can take care of yourself if you choose, you know, and, and by the way, like you may not, that might not be your way of taking care of yourself. And we, we, we're totally good with that. So, you know, the idea is that you don't have to be here. You don't need these treatments and services. If you, if you're interested in learning more about them and learning the possibilities, we're here to educate you and inform you. We want you to make an informed decision about your care. Um, we offer free consultations that are literally like walk in. You can just walk in and say, Hey, I've, you know, never tried this stuff before curious to learn about it. We will not hold you to any kind of obligation in terms of what you paying for that or anything. We want to educate you. And then, you know, if you're interested in learning, like we're here to teach you and kind of tell you what's possible with these services, what isn't, isn't possible, right? Because sometimes people come in and say, I want this. And we say, totally understood. That's not us. We can't do that here. You know, we can't lift you up. You know, we can't lift your face, right? That's probably a surgical procedure. If you, if you want that much lift. So, you know, there's things like that where we have to, we iron it out in the beginning, but we're certainly here to sort of walk people through from an educational standpoint, what's possible uh, without telling them that there's something wrong with them because there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Do you take on, and this is maybe like a technical question. Yeah. Do you take on everybody that comes in or if you're, if they come in and they're like all done, yeah, their face is super done, yes. right? We, we say clinically optimized. They're clinically optimized. Dude, I love that. Yeah. That's like yeah. a way better term. I like, I'm going to write that. <laughs> yes, clinically. clinically no, optimized. it's true. You've had to learn it. So, yeah, so so absolutely. I mean, I think that that's a point of pride for us. Um, and to me, it's just, it's simple integrity, right? It's like having business integrity. So if somebody comes in to see us and this this has happened, I can point to many, many occasions where this happened. Um a woman will want her lips enhanced, right? She'll want some augmentation in her lips. And very often those women already have had, you know, augmentation to their lips. And so there are certainly cases where someone will come in and say, I want, you know, I want to do more. And we'll say, you know, 
understood and you're not a candidate. Your, your lips have already been clinically optimized. It would not be in your best interests to have more filler into your lip. Um, we can talk about other areas, but that's just not an area that you're, you're like, it would be clinical, clinically irresponsible of us to treat you in that area because oh. you're fully, you know, you're fully, you're fully corrected or you're fully optimized in that area. So there, there's a cell, there's a sensitivity to doing that because, you know, like so many things in life, um, especially when you've been getting these treatments for a while, you can become a little like dysmorphic where you don't see it anymore. You don't see how, how much full your lips were from where you started. And so there's a sense of like, oh, it feels like it's sinking in this one area. Like, let's touch that up. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's actually not sinking. And, you know, and so, so yeah, so there's cases where we say no to people and, and we will continue to do that. If, if we don't think it's in your best interest, I mean, essentially you're walking around with our business card on your face also. So it doesn't serve us or you to take your money and, and make you look bad. Right. Sure. I didn't think about that part. Yeah. You, you mentioned experience. And in fact, you said you're a creator of experiences and I love, I don't think I had ever heard that. So that that's awesome. Oh, thank you. But when you think of the experience itself with your company specifically, what, what does that mean to you? What are the first few things that come to mind? I think it's about how you feel from beginning to end. So I think it starts with before you even come into our location physically, right? Like it, it could start from the first phone call you make to us, or, you know, we do a lot of our booking on our website or via text message. So any interaction you have with our company is going to sort of set the tone for how things are going to go. And, you know, certainly when you walk into the door for the very first time, or even, you know, the, ten, the hundredth time, um, it's got to feel good from beginning to end. So, so, you know, to me, what I, what I, what we say to our teams, and, and this is true across the board is assume that every single customer that comes in the door has just sat in an hour of traffic to get here. They, uh, they got in a fight with their spouse on the way. Um, they, you know, they had fraud on their credit card that they now have to deal with. Just assume they're having like a terrible day and treat them accordingly, like treat them with white gloves and be like, Hey, how are you today? You're here now. We got you. What can we get you to drink? You know, let's, you know, so, so I think if you treat everybody as though they're coming in to see you from like the worst day ever, like you can't lose. Um, and so that's something that we talk about a lot. And, and that to me is the experience is, is not so much about what we do. Right. I mean, I think that's a contributor, but it's like how it makes you, how it makes you feel, you know, you know, and, there, and there's been little things we've learned along the way operationally that are very, you know, small. They might seem like a small, meaningless thing, but actually it like has a huge impact. I'll give an example after your treatment, right? So you're done with your treatment. You're done. You're cleared for, you know, you can walk out to the front and pay your bill and leave. Walking out alone of your room and going to the front versus having somebody walk you out. It's, it's a huge difference. It's, it's, there's a huge difference in that little, in that little experience because you, I mean, imagine just sort of like you just got your face injected, you know, maybe you're, you know, you're a little, I don't know, you're, you're, you're sort of feeling a little, you know, vulnerable or whatever. Yep, you and are. Now, you're just, now you're just expected to kind of get up and wander out and wander to the front. And, you know, it just feels like, kind of like we, we, we left your, we left you down. Like we've, we've, we've done our work and like, bye. And so I think there's just something very powerful about saying, let me walk you to the front. Let me just, let me, let me make sure you, you know, you get to where you're going and just having that like person by your side to like, make you feel okay. Like there's just, there's just something about that. So those are like very, that's one of many examples of things that we consider at a very granular level. Another small thing that may, that may seem small, but is huge is scent. So like, I'm a huge believer that, you know, scent is the most closely linked sense to memory. So all of our stores have a smell. And the idea is that it's supposed to, no matter where, what's the, what's this? Yes. It's just, it's a, it's a light, very light, very, um, 
refreshing scent that comes through our vents. And, you know, again, it's, it's intended to sort of make you feel familiar with us and our brand. It's supposed to make you feel comfortable and fresh and clean, you know, all those things. But it, it is something that it, we, because it is linked to your memory, whenever you smell that scent, you're going to think of us, right? And hopefully it's going to inspire a feeling of calm and happiness and, you know, great service and all those things. So, um, so again, these are like tiny things that we consider in addition to all the big things around experience. And that's kind of what I meant when I said creator of experiences. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Yeah. Thank you. That's that's very, very cool. I love that. So let's go a little bit further in this because you, you just from seeing everything you've done, you do a great job on making people feel great while they're there. But at the same time, they keep on coming back to you. So help me understand how you follow up with people and nurture them so that they come back to you. I love that word nurture. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, a a big part of it is, you know, as an example, I'll use Botox because Botox is our most, our Hello Bright Eyes treatment, which is our Botox treatment is our most popular service that we offer. And Botox is, a lot of people don't know this, it's a quarterly treatment. So it's it's designed to be done, you know, every three to four months. And if that is the one thing that you come to us for, and you, let's say you're not seeing us for anything else, then we're only going to see you three to four times a year. And as you can imagine, I'm sure we can all relate to like going to the dentist and saying, oh, I'm not sure when I'm due for my follow-up. You know, it's like, you can't remember something that's like four, five, six months down the road. So, um, so, so just the simple step, which sounds like, you know, in most industries kind of like, of course you would, you do that. It doesn't happen enough in our category, which is why it's been a differentiator is like just the reminder of like, Hey, Tristan, it's been three months you're due or, Hey, do you want to book your next appointment now while you're here? And so, you know, you don't have to think about it. You'll be back in three months. We'll see you then. And so just those sort of reminders, whether it's, you know, again, on your way out from your visit or, uh, you know, we'll send you a text message um, or if you prefer an email, um, but we'll, we'll get in touch to say, Hey, you know, a reminder. So that's, that's one way we, we sort of make it a repeat experience. Um, the other, the other way is through membership. That's so we have a, our membership program is sort of a, a key cornerstone for our company and our brand. And the idea is like any other subscription or membership, it kind of takes the guesswork out of it. And the way ours is actually set up is it's, it's basically like a $99 a month auto debit. And I call it a high yield Botox savings account because all of that money goes into an account for you. So we don't take any portion of that. That is, that's your, that's your Alchemy 43 wallet, so to speak. So when you come see us every three to four months, Hey, Tristan, you've got $400 banked up today. We'll use that toward your treatment. You get 15% off your bill and anything else you want to get also take 15% off. So we find that that keeps, you know, keeps people really engaged with us. Um, it's great because it's not such a big chunk, chunk of change. You have to drop, you know, it, you know, you're sort of saving up toward it. So by the time you come in, you know, it's little to nothing, you know, that you have to actually pay out of pocket because you've already paid your, you know, your monthly amount for three months. So, you know, it, it also just makes it a much, a much more kind of affordable. It doesn't feel like such a hit. You know, and then and then we look at the behavior of members versus non-members in terms of they come see us more often, they spend more at each visit, they're way more, um, they're like super fans of the brand. So they, you know, they they tell their friends, they're they're very engaged with our like word of mouth referral programs um, and things like that. So so really like I think in in a business like ours, your members or your subscribers kind of become your super fans and um kind of like your mini brand ambassadors in a way. And so, you know, that's that's been a critical piece of our strategy. I love that strategy. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
So then as you're as you're growing and now you're going to open the 10th store yep. close to Houston. Yep. I'm sure you're you're looking ahead even further. It's like what else can we do? How do you yep. take time to to think about what you what your company should move into next? Do you, do you have like a set thinking time or brainstorming session or what does that look like with the team? What does that look like? Yep. Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that we're constantly kind of talking about as a leadership team is sort of like, how do you pull yourself out of the day to day and take that yeah. moment to kind of think about the future? Because, you know, it's true. It's like, you you, you know, you go, you go high and you go low. And that's kind of a part of, of any company, I think, a growing company, right? Where you're like, okay, well, I've got to deal with this thing that's right in front of me. I got to solve this problem today, right? But I also need to think about, hey, what are my next 10 stores? Where are we opening those? And what does that look like? And how are we preparing ourselves for, you know, continued expansion. And so it, it's definitely a challenge because the day, as, as, as anyone here probably that's ever started a business or worked at a start a growing business, the day-to-day can, can totally consume you. So, so it's like, you could be so stuck in the weeds that you don't even take the moment to kind of, so it really is a, it's an exercise and it's, it's very, it has to be very intentional to say, and I like what you said about like, you know, how do you set aside time for that? And so um, it's actually something, and I work with an executive coach, which I highly recommend to anyone who is, you know, in the thick of it. Um, that's been an incredibly helpful experience for me as a founder and a CEO. So um, anyway, one of the things that he and I talk a lot about is how do, is how do you schedule different time? Because it's kind of like a different mindset. So if you're having a, you know, a team meeting about, you know, I don't know, five things that need to happen in the next three weeks, um, it's probably better to have a different meeting where you're talking about long-term brainstorm strategy. Are we going to add services? Are we going to, you know, what are we going to do with the product line? How, you know, where, where, what's our real estate pipeline for the next 10 stores? Um, What do we look like in five years? Like what is our company, you know, what, what is, what are we, where are we at that point in time? And so, um, yeah, I would, I would tell you that we haven't solved it. It's an ongoing um, kind of exercises, figuring out how to, how to think long-term and short-term, but certainly since I started the business, you know, I've, I have maintained a vision for where, for what I think we, where we're headed and what we can be. But one of the things I always say as a founder is that I'm clear in my vision, but flexible in how we get there. Cause I think ultimately like, listen, you're going to try things and they're not going to work. You're going to, you know, you're going to try something that you didn't think was going to work and it's going to be mind-blowingly successful. And so you have to be willing to kind of like flex and pivot and like, respond to what's in front of you and make changes. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to completely change your plan of what you're doing, but I think how you get there has to be a little, you have to be able to learn from stuff along the way and apply those learnings. So that's why I always say I'm flexible in how we get there. <laughs> I like that. No, and that's, I think that's the secret to most high achiever success. It's like the flexibility. Yeah. yeah. Right. You have to, you have to be pivot. You have to pivot. Cause you know, I mean, even that thing I mentioned about like Texas with the business development versus the marketing, it's like, clearly when we go into new markets, that's something we need to do across the board. We need to like physically all the, like spend time there. I need to be there. I need to meet people and shake hands and, you know, like, um, so it's been a, it's been a shift. Like we're, we're going to spend less on marketing and we're going to spend more on that. It's almost like you're running for campaign, right? Like you're like, you're mayor. Because <laughs> yeah, you have, it's the same thing. It's like, you're building credibility. You're building trust. Like who is this company? Who is this person? Why should I choose them? And, you know, it's like our, I mean, our average ticket is $600. You know, we're asking people to, to pay us a lot of money. So we've got to deliver over deliver. Yeah. I love this idea of building trust the way you're doing it though. It's like, a, 
I feel like at every stage of what you're doing, you're building the trust and then you're rebuilding it and then you're reinforcing it. Yes. You're like, hi, we're still here. Right. We're still here for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, and and we're obviously a service business, so we're never going to be, you know, a business that runs without people, right? Without, without service providers. However, I think that there's still a shift that you're seeing with technology playing such a large part where it's like, there's a world in which, in fact, I saw the other day, Sweetgreen um, announced that they just launched their first like automated store. So I think they like actually make, there's like machines that make the salads for you, you know? Um, yeah. And they said how they're, how they're solving for the customer service piece is that they're still going to have like greeters and people there to like interact with you. But it's like, you know, with a business like ours, that's, you know, we're, you're always going to have someone that needs to inject your Botox. But for me, it's like, I, I'm leaning more heavily into the human side of it. Like, I still think people want a human interaction and maybe even more than ever because of how much we rely on technology these days. And so when we're, you know, when we're physically in contact with our clients, like, let's make that great and let's make it very authentic because first of all, people can tell if it's not, if it's like a scripted experience, I think it's very obvious to people. And I think people are craving human connection more than ever before. So as a service provider, we can, we have that opportunity. Every, every conversation we're talking about when we shift, yeah. it goes back, it goes back to the person. It's like for you, right. it's like the experience and making them feel great. And the person, I mean, just going through this, Confidence. it's like, yeah, cool. I, I love where now it's starting to become a lot more clear because I do the research and I talk to yes. the people, right? Yes. But this is great because as we're listening in, everyone here, it's like, got it. I can apply that to every business. This is Everything. like, just take yeah. care of, of the human. Yeah. That's yes. what you're doing. Yep. I swear. It absolutely is true. It's like, and also treat people how you want to be treated. I mean, I'm sure we all, when we go somewhere, there's a you know level of expectation or hope that we have that we're going to be treated well and taken care of. And if you just... If you just apply that across the board to your point, whether you're selling insurance to, you know, you know, movies, like, I mean, anything, it's like, just treat people well. I think it's half the battle. I love this. All right. So what's next for you besides this store coming up? What's yeah, next for so, you? So, I mean, continued expansion for the real estate, for the pipeline. I mean, you know, we want to expand into, you know, many, many new markets in the U.S. I mean, we think there's a world that we get to 200, 250 locations in the United States. Uh, we really want to be the the brand that you think of when you think of Botox. So I always say, you know, athletic shoe Nike, right? It's like you, and then and then everybody else will name five or ten other brands that you know that that are great brands as well. But Nike is kind of that number one brand when you think of athletic shoe. We want to be that for Botox. So so when you think Botox, we want you to think Alchemy Forty Three, um, and we recognize that that's a huge. Um, that's a very ambitious goal, right? We we've got to be be vigilant about quality control. We've got to you know make sure that our experience is truly differentiated and people first at every touch point. And we can't you know I think when you see companies grow and scale very quickly, sometimes those things get lost, right? Yeah, so we've got to keep away on the ball. Like we we can't let that happen. We've got to stay really focused on on that quality control piece, no matter what number of stores we open. So that part of it's going to be, you know, critical and that's top, very top of mind for me. Um, and then launching products. So really excited to kind of tap into my old life as a, you know, as a, as a beauty, beauty industry um, executive and create our own product line. And so we are working on that and very excited to introduce what we feel is a new category to the, to the, um, 
sort of skincare and wellness product line product assortment that's out there today. Um, so very excited about that. That's something that, that I'm working on now. Um, and then, you know, I think down the line, and this is something that, you know, is very, um, prevalent in our industry right now because our industry is growing so quickly. Um, and, and there's so many new users coming to, you know, trying these products and services that haven't in the past. Um, there is actually like a limited, um, amount of skilled providers. So people that are trained to perform. So, you know, licensed medical providers that are trained on performing these services. So the industry is growing faster than today's amount of providers can support. So, you know, we need to bring more people into the space. And so, you know, top of mind for me and a bunch of actually competitive competitive concepts that we we consider ourselves all, you know, all one big industry and category. So there's a lot of camaraderie amongst the leaders of these multi-unit med spa chains. Um, and we all believe in creating a training program and a way to, to increase, you know, the amount of providers mm. in the space and teaching people how to do it. So that's something that I think is also on the agenda at some point and, you know, a lot of ways that that could look, but certainly, you know, if we want to get to 250 locations, we have got to make sure that we've got amazing, you know, continued training and development for our providers. goes back to people first, which is what you were saying. That's right. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. And where where would you like everyone to follow you or find out more about you and your company? Thank you so much. Yeah, you can. So you can find us on um, Instagram and TikTok at alchemy43. So it's the number 43 and the word alchemy. Um, we're also on TikTok. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn to learn more about our business updates. And then my Instagram is at Nikki Levy. Um, and yeah, so we look forward to having you guys join us. And thank you so much for having me, Tristan. Thanks for doing this. This is great. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.